firmly and all the lights will sparkle with a truly celestial effect. If I could just remind you that the moment must be short-lived, the batteries are cumbersome and I have only put as many on the gown as is compatible with fluid movement. How long have I got, Mr. Reinhardt? Very hard to say, but probably no more than five minutes. Any longer, and I cannot guarantee your safety. But Mrs. Cash was not listening. Limits were of no interest to her. The pink evening glow was fading into darkness. It was time. She gripped the rubber bulb with her left hand and heard a slight crackle as light tripped through the 120 light bulbs on her dress and the 50 in her diadem. It was as if a firework had been set off in the mirrored ballroom. As she turned round slowly, she was reminded of the yachts in Newport Harbor illuminated for the recent visit of the German emperor. The back view was quite as splendid as the front. The train that fell from her shoulders looked like a piece of the night sky. She gave a glittering nod of satisfaction and released the bulb. The room went dark until a footman came forward to light the chandeliers. It is exactly the effect I had hoped for. You may send in your account. The electrician wiped his brow with a handkerchief that was less than clean, jerked his head in an approximation of a bow, and turned to leave. Mr. Reinhardt, the man froze on the glossy parquet. I trust you have been as discreet as I instructed. It was not a question. Oh, yes, Mrs. Cash. I did it all myself. That's why I couldn't deliver it till today. Worked on it every evening in the workshop when all the apprentices had gone home. Good a dismissal. Mrs. Cash turned and walked to the other end of the hall of mirrors where two footmen waited to open the door. Mr. Reinhardt walked down the marble staircase, his hand leaving a damp smear on the cold balustrade. In the blue room, Cora Cash was trying to concentrate on her book. Cora found most novels hard to sympathize with, all those plain governesses, but this one had much to recommend it. The heroine was handsome, clever, and rich, rather like Cora herself. Cora knew she was handsome. Wasn't she always referred to in the papers as the divine Miss Cash? She was clever, she could speak three languages and could handle calculus. And as to rich, well, she was undoubtedly that. Emma Woodhouse was not rich in the way that she, Cora Cash, was rich. Emma Woodhouse did not lie on a lit polonaise once owned by Madame du Barry in a room which was, but for the lingering smell of paint, an exact replica of Marie Antoinette's bedchamber at Le Petit Trianon. Emma Woodhouse went to dances at the assembly rooms, not fancy dress spectaculars in specially built ballrooms. But Emma Woodhouse was motherless, which meant, thought Cora, that she was handsome, clever, rich, and free. That could not be said of Cora, who at the moment was holding the book straight out in front of her because there was a steel rod strapped to her spine. Cora's arms ached, and she longed to lie down on Madame du Barry's bed, but her mother believed that spending two hours a day strapped to the spine improver would give Cora the posture and carriage of a princess, albeit an American one, and for now, at least, Cora had no choice but to read her book in extreme discomfort. At this moment, her mother, Cora knew, would be checking the placement for the dinner she was holding before the ball, 
tweaking it so that her forty-odd guests knew exactly how brightly they sparkled in Mrs. Cash's social firmament. To be invited to Mrs. Cash's fancy dress ball was an honor, to be invited to the dinner beforehand a privilege, but to be seated within touching distance of Mrs. Cash herself was a true mark of distinction and was not to be bestowed lightly. Mrs. Cash liked to face her husband at dinner ever since she discovered that the Prince and Princess of Wales always faced each other across the width, not the length of the table. Cora knew that she would be placed at one end, sandwiched between two suitable bachelors with whom she would be expected to flirt just enough to confirm her reputation as the belle of the season, but not so much that she compromised her mother's stratagems for her future. Mrs. Cash was throwing this ball to display Cora like a costly gem to be admired but not touched. This diamond was destined for a coronet, at least. Directly after the ball, the cash...